I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, welcome to the Out of Spec Podcast. I'm here with Mike Breeling and Austin Schiefer. Today we're going to talk about cars, believe it or not. Uh, we're going to talk about the Ford Maverick, um, one of the worst EVs of the year, and also one of the biggest EVs of the year. And uh, we just have a lot of things on deck, so we're going to jump right in. I do want to start with a little bit of what we've been driving slash doing. Um, Austin was actually out here in Colorado. He's actually down in Dallas back home now, but... We had some fun, um, I guess, doing what they call leaf peeping. I don't know. What, what do they call it out there, Mike? <laughs> that is <laughs> exactly go... what it's called. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah, well, that's so what people in New England refer to it as, too. And, and that's the same in Colorado. For some reason, I never heard that in the Midwest. Um, but that is something we did. So Let's go and I'm look sure in the leaves, pretty... eh? Yeah. <laughs> the foliage. Yeah, so Austin, I don't think we've shown Austin's car on the podcast yet, but this is his Fiesta ST. Um, we took there it, it is, all its glory. probably six hours of basically mountain roads yeah. with gorgeous um, views. Like this is at 12,500 feet and it was unfazed. I mean, still fast and fun. It made me really wish I had a turbo. <laughs> I had a turbo. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say the turbo makes a big difference. Yeah. Uh, and then I had my naturally aspirated Miata, which still like, Drives great. I went on a cruise with a bunch of 911s this past weekend, and I actually kept up with all of them, which either means I'm a great driver or they're slow. Uh, <laughs> a bunch of 911s, and then there was me and this Audi, my friend's Audi S4, which is a six-speed manual, and then cool. a Lotus Exige that has been completely converted to carbon fiber. I think it's the only one in the country so far that this company has done. Um, but it is 100% carbon fiber. Every panel, like everything that can be, it is. That and it's rad. been supercharged. That sounds so cool. Yeah. That, sounds that expensive. thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Sounds this uncomfortable. Is, is gnarly, but that's kind of been uh yeah the the what I've been up to. Um, it's phenomenal out here. Like I think I guess I'm gathering the leaves change at different times throughout the year, so it probably hasn't really hit peak color changing for you, Mike, out in the east. Um, but nope, not out yet. out here, we're pretty much at our peak. If in fact, kind of on the downhill slope now, uh, where it's just kind of becoming dead. <laughs> Yeah, but, I think out in like uh, Western North Carolina, out towards you know the Appalachians near Asheville, and th- that area, it, the leaves are actually were peak or about to be somewhere around there, like right now. Because I've seen some pictures coming out of there in the past week or so that look stunning. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of good roads in that area, you no, know, apart from Tail of the Dragon. I mean, the Blue Ridge Parkway itself right now would be full of leaf peepers. For Jeez. sure. And we've had excellent weather. Today's the first day we've had rain in probably two weeks. So oh, it's wow. been a beautiful <laughs> and not humid. It's perfect weather. Wow. That's awesome. It is starting to get cold out here now, at least at night. So it's uh, my favorite time of the year. Got Oktoberfest beer, pumpkin spice latte. Um, <laughs> I also finished my time with the Tycon, which Kyle just took from me this weekend to do some range testing on. Um, and I... I guess I wanted to talk a little bit, just kind of finalize my thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, especially comparing it to the Model S. And I am, I don't think I've ever been so torn on, you know, if I had the money to pick an identical spec car, Model S or Tycon, I don't know what I would choose. The Tycon is such a great, it was great as a driver's car. Like it made this Canyon fun. Like, driving up into the clouds on the mountains top like it was engaging but then in kind of a lot of the day-to-day stuff i was annoyed enough with the infotainment and the center screen and i yeah i don't know and and yeah tesla definitely spoils you with their infotainment i mean it's done the best in a car i mean there's no hands down you're not going to experience a better one um, and i wasn't sure i wasn't like yeah yeah, I, I didn't know what to expect when I got Kyle's Model 3 for a few weeks because I was in that boat of, well, if it doesn't have CarPlay, I'm going to hate it. But that's because I've experienced so many horrible OEM <laughs> infotainment systems. And then when I discovered Tesla's, I was like, wait, I this is perfect. I mean, I mean, there's a few gripes here and there, but it's incredibly solid. And then this one is fine in general, but the navigation was still frustrating at times. The um, I guess the air conditioning controls and everything. I I just kept wishing it was a little easier to use as like day to day operation. Um, I had a couple issues with Electrify America charging, but mostly that was fine. It all worked itself out. But it was it just wasn't as like like perfectly infused with like the Tesla supercharger network. Um, so yeah, I I I just want to combine a Plaid and a Taycan. It sounds like you want like a Model S UI and like range capability and charging infrastructure. Combine that with a Tycon driving dynamics and styling, and you're there. Yeah, yeah. It's this is more interesting to look at. I think Model S design is fantastic. I think it looks good. It is fairly timeless. Turismo flavor of the Tycon though is is way to me more appealing to the eye and interesting. Yeah, it's I don't I don't know. The Model S is great. I think it's timeless. The fact that it was 
you know, unveiled in 2009 and still looks good. You can't, you, there's not many cars that can do that, but it's also not super intriguing and exciting looking. That's just a sedan. That's a very well sculpted, nice sedan. But as someone who doesn't usually like sedans, the cross Turismo almost for the body style alone. That's mm. why I would choose it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, wagon is a wagon. wagon. I mean, yeah. it always wins. Um, yeah. And really, if it comes down to like between those two, a Model S is not really a driver's car. You know, no. a Model S is if you're a techno nerd, it's great because I think most of us here are on this podcast. I mean, it, one of us has worked for Tesla before and we know how great their software is. It's amazing. And it does you know their char- their cars charge very quick. They're very reliable. Uh, they get great range, but as dr- a driving feel, I would take the Porsche over the Tesla if I were spending the same money. Because now a new Model S is about the same money mm-hmm. as uh, entry-level Taycan. Now the Model S will have more performance and better range, but the Taycan will handle better. And I think it just feels better from my time that I've spent in one. It just feels more well put together. Now, I don't have too much experience with the infotainment didn't really touch it too much. I hear what you're saying about the vents because Taycan does have that weird touchscreen vent thing, kind of like Tesla, but it's just executed nowhere near as well. Yeah, um, it's, and it's they so weird to improve that. It's so weird because they look like vents you should interact with with your hand, and yeah, you want to physically not. touch it. Yeah, <laughs> but you so, can't. You can't move. But it. yeah, I, I do have to caveat. So you're right. The the Tesla. I love the party tricks and the gimmicks and the Easter eggs. Like I, I place a lot of stock in that. Like, I think that's amazing. And that's almost enough reason for me to buy a car. But if I was like, this was a base cross Turismo, very, very minimal. Uh, Another issue I had was the adaptive cruise control. just wasn't great. But if I had a cross Turismo with the like full inno drive system, quote unquote, self-driving, whatever, um, and the rear wheel steering and the upgraded like Burmeister sound system. Like I, I feel like with the 21 inch wheels and Mamba green, like, like we specced last week forever. I, I think that would be, yeah, I'd, I'd probably have to pick that over a Tesla and I would just get over my gripes. I'd be like, this is too cool of a car. To pass <laughs> up. So, <laughs> but yeah, um, but enough Tycon talk. We talked about it for a long time yeah. last week. So refer back to last week if you before want we get to too really, far back in. Yeah, if you really want to dig into what Tycon is and how many options well, it has and build Jordan, one, one quick last thought is if you're looking for something that handles well with Tesla perks, I think really if you're not wanting something as premium, the Model Three Performance is probably going to be the best bang for your buck and get a car that has a lot more feel than the model yeah. S I'm not going to say it handles like a Porsche because it doesn't, but I think in Tesla world, that's, that's your, your closest thing you can get to a car that actually drives nicely. Yeah. Or Very true. shell out for a roadster, but you know, yeah, they're ridiculously <laughs> expensive now. And um, also, or so, oh, I thought you were talking about the new one. I was like, yeah, that's not existing yet, but <laughs> <laughs> that'll, yeah, yeah, that'll change. And the Cybertruck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a duo though. And the better $25,000 Tesla that's supposed to be announced. <laughs> Model 2. Um, let's talk about 
the worst TV of the year. At least that's how Kyle has put it. <laughs> um, he put out his video this week on the Mazda MX-30. That is a hell which, of a still shot. Yeah, that's that his uh, face sums it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this is a car I was really intrigued by when we found out about it, and then got less intrigued the more we found out about it. Um, <laughs> it's I I think it looks fine actually I. Now that I'm seeing it in video, it looks less fine to me. It has the, the plastic cladding I hated on the CX-30. Um, it's it's kind of what I expected, though, from Mazda with an EV. It does okay in the corners. The interior and infotainment is fantastic, except for the back seat. They're, they're kind of, they're not abysmal, but they're subpar, especially for a quote-unquote crossover. Um, but yeah, this is shared with the CX-30 platform, which is interesting because, you know, the best EVs have their own ground up platform and this is not that. So that's, um, red flag number one, uh, <laughs> you open the hood, which I can see if I can find that in the video. Yeah. Right here. Um, and it's, there's a bunch of like empty space because next year they're going to be bringing a range extender variant with, um, basically an engine which we don't know anything about yet but that could be a saving grace because <laughs> the issue with I can already the MX-30, tell you that's the one you want <laughs> so the issue of the mx30 is the range that's the maybe the biggest one you get 100 miles which is usable for a lot of people i will argue everyone's comparing it to id4 tesla's i mean everything else which granted this is encroaching on those price categories being in the kind of low to mid $30,000 range. Um, but that range is adequate for a lot of people if this is a second car. The range extender could help that. Um, now, the other thing, though, is the range being abysmal. I was like, oh, maybe it has good charging. Well, Kyle found out the peak charging he was able to see was just over 30 kilowatt. So maybe MX-30 stands for the abysmal charging. <laughs> <You'll find. laughs> um, so it charges about in the normal time as a other EV with three times the range. So percentage wise. So that's pretty bad, really bad. Um, so it's just <laughs> not a car you'll be taking on any sort of adventures. And Kyle did Huna in the Canyons, um, Angel, Angel's Crest, um, Angel's Crest, whatever. Yeah. ACH or whatever. Um, so I think it's, yeah, I wanted to like it, but the more I watched Kyle and talked to him about it, the more I was like, oh, this is abysmal. Um, and kind of as we would expect, it, it it does okay handling-wise. The suspension, he said, was great. Interior was great. Steering feel was solid. Um, interior quality, like materials, was great. But... It just, what's interesting though, is it also is because it was like CX-30 platform, which is front engine, um, this now just doesn't really have a front engine, the battery's in the back. So it has more of a 911, um, 60% rear weight distribution, which yeah. Kyle pointed out. It was like, he kind of like went into corners treating it like a 911 and was kind of on par with what he was expecting with the back end kind of peeling out. And then you want to like pull it forward really fast and it's just not fast i'll say last time i checked two 911s aren't front wheel drive but yeah (laughs) well yeah so there's another over yeah i mean i think so going into the car right so i did 
heard a little bit about this car. I remember when they announced it and then you started seeing thick pictures of it and, oh, it's coming out. And I remember reading about it and it said hundred miles of range. And I know everybody did a collective sigh, like, oh, great. So we're back like eight years ago, back to know the original leaf, Noah, <laughs> maybe a hundred miles of range. And granted, as Jordan said, in the real world, in everybody's daily life, mo ninety percent of people will never need more than that because you're gonna just gonna come home, you're gonna plug it in overnight, and every day you're gonna wake up with a battery charged with enough range to get to work, do your errands, do whatever you gotta do. But with the battery, it seems to be off the reviews that I've seen and read, and even in Kyle's review, in Southern California, nobody was hitting the EPA range. I mean, I think Kyle originally went, uh, what was it, 60 miles before he first charged and he had 37% range left. Well, he's like so I think 20, it was only projecting 20 like, something. oh, 20. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And he was only projecting like 80 something miles. Yeah. And to me, that that is the big killer that's going to, of that car. And then on top of a charging curve where, at that battery charge level, that car should be maxed out at 50 kilowatt as Mazda says it will charge at. And it never got there. Um, it stayed right at 33 kilowatts, which is terrible. Then tapered down to 20. Yep. I mean, at 80%, which is even worse. And he, I mean, he got he got to the charger with a warm battery at relatively low state of charge, which should theoretically be maximum charging rate, like ready. Like it was ready to accept anything EA could give it. Electrify America, and that was all they could give it. So, and he even tested another charger just to make sure it wasn't that location. So he went to a different charger in a different location, same exact thing. So, pretty disappointing. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm hating on this yeah. car because, in reality, I'm not. I actually kind of like the way it looks. It mm -hmm. reminds me of a Mazda RX-8, and I mean, it's got kind of a longer hood. It's got that clamshell rear door, except it's just not stilts. I mean, that's basically what it is. And, you know, the lighting looks cool on the outside. The interior is probably, I think, Mazda's best interior, yeah. just looking at it. Because I don't need leather or any of that crazy stuff in my car. Just that interior looks nice. And Mazda think, knows how to put an interior together. I think Mazda said they use recycled denim to make the seats. Um, oh, that's it's a cool. lot. It's, it's a very sustainably sourced interior, which is really cool. Um, yeah, if, if the rumors are true and they do a range extender using a rotary engine, I can't think of a cooler garage than an RX-8 and an MX-30. You've got two <laughs> rotary powers. a quirky garage. Quirky. Yeah, I was going to say there's going to be a lot of oil needed in that garage. <laughs> Mazda, a lot of oil on the floor probably too. <laughs> yeah, Mazda styling and then the, yeah, the doors, which I think they call coach doors, but we're just going to no, call them RX-8 RX doors. doors. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> RX-8 Hot take, RX-8 is my favorite rotary car that the that Mazda has made, which is an incredibly hot take. A lot of people love the RX-7 and the older, <laughs> uh, what was it? The um, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of it. Um, yeah. You're talking before RX-7? Yeah, yeah, before the RX. I can't remember. The, the OG Cosmo? RX cars. Is the, the Cosmo RX. also a rotary? I think it was. Uh, maybe. Yeah, my, my knowledge of rotaries doesn't go back to well, that. Anyway, I do think that um, back to the MX-30, it's really interesting because I'm trying to figure out like what you would cross shop it with. And I would think like, okay, probably like the Bolt or the Volt, um, Nissan Leaf, 
like if you're looking at a yeah. more economy size around town EV, it's really tough to justify it because of what you guys said, the range and the charging being so abysmal. Like it is going to be enough range for most people. But like we've talked about before on this podcast, a lot of people like the idea of things when they buy cars. They don't buy cars for what they can do. They buy cars for what they are like advertised as like, oh, it's an outdoor lifestyle vehicle. Oh, I can buy this because I'll do so much kayaking. You probably don't <laughs> know how to kayak. So it, it, to me, it's interesting because I, I don't really see this winning out over a lot of EVs, even though I do love the Mazda brand. And like you guys said, it's a stunning interior. Uh, it's just tough. I think they really, this seems like Mazda was given a homework assignment they really didn't want to do. And, and now we're seeing the the result. Well, yeah. I mean, pick, you pick even battles. in this video, <laughs> he said they're at the press launch, Mazda's own product managers were there. <laughs> And they were not excited about this car. And I, I see why they wouldn't be, because they probably knew that their views were not going to be great, especially on the range and really even on the price, because it's not that cheap. Yeah, they were of, dreading of an EV. Day. It's not like, considering, oh, it starts at 23000 Like, wow, that's really Yeah, that's I mean, you can get a Leaf, a Leaf S is cheaper. Even a Leaf SV is in that same ballpark, and it gets much more range. And then there's the Mini Cooper SE, which is under $30,000 for the entry-level model. And then all the incentives you get, the $7,500 federal credit. And I know in Colorado, there's a $2,500 credit, I believe. And in like New Jersey, there's like a $3,500 or $4,000 credit on top of that. So some of those cars that we just listed are well, back at $20,000 cars um, yeah. at the end of the day where – this loaded version of the Mazda, I believe like the one Kyle was in, was probably closer to a $40,000 car. And honestly, you would just get an ID4 at that point yeah. <laughs> in reality. Um, and I don't want to sound that. like I'm hating on Mazda because I'm not a um, Mazda fan. It's a but hard. If, it's hard to make an argument for it, and I think we yeah. all like Mazda a lot here. Jordan probably more than us, but <laughs> um, I, I do think it's really hard to make an argument for it. Jordan, you're about to comment. I, I want yeah I want to like it actually a CX thirty was similar thing like I I was I got that car I was like oh sweet two point five liter turbo all wheel drive like basically lifted Mazda three hot hatchback and it was good but like I ended up thinking the styling wasn't as good as I thought originally like and I yeah I don't know it the interior was great that's like a big reason to get it. Um, it drove fine. It was decently quick, but under like really intense performance driving, which I guess most people won't do. We had some issues with like shaking in the drive shaft and like, it was like Mazda didn't really design it to be driven like a hot hatch. Um, so yeah, the MX 30 is a very niche car for a niche buyer, which exists. There are people out there who are like, this looks better than a leaf and a bolt and they're right. Um, and their commute is short. I mean, these are the same people that probably bought the Fiat 500e and other i3 buyers. If you think about it, this actually, is like yeah, the this is crowd. this is a successor to the i3 in a weird way, because way less expensive. Got, yeah, it's got <laughs> quirky, quirky styling, not great numbers, um, recycled materials on the interior. Um, no, I, I do, I do agree, Jordan. I think like 
I don't want to say that maybe we've seen the best Mazda has the offer for like as of late because they have produced some really great cars, uh, like the latest generation Mazda 3, the latest generation Mazda Miata with the power bump. But like, I wonder if they're going to produce great performance fun cars, but I don't want to see the rest of their lineup lack because of that and especially on the ev side of things because that's kind of where everything is going i was really hoping to see like a more um a stronger uh first united states candidate for that yeah you wanted to see a more well-rounded attempt not yeah. something that was just kind of half-assed and thrown out to the public so yeah there's a reason think- they're only selling 500 of them this year yeah <laughs> let's see how it does yeah. And like Kyle um, said in his video, if you can lease one for $100 with taxes and everything included, it's probably worth owning for two years or something if, if it works for you. But I would yeah. not pay hundreds of dollars a month for that car. Maz, yeah, it, it's, it would have to be a great deal um, or you just are obsessed with Mazda, like blind fandom. Um, but <laughs> one last thing about this that's really funny to me is included <laughs> with your car is at least for our first couple of years, you get 10 days a year where you can pick a different Mazda with unlimited miles for road trips. You can leave your MX-30 at a Mazda dealer, switch out for one of their other cars, and take it on a road trip. I hope they charge it. You get... (laughs) You come back to a completely flat. Yeah, it's just flat. Uh, So that's, that's funny because basically Maz is like yeah we know you can't road trip this at all like sorry um, you're stuck in the city yeah take which the, is take interesting because uh, i think kyle week. mentioned maybe or someone mentioned that the i3 had this program and it went horribly wrong like basically dealers weren't on the same page a lot of dealers like people showed up with their i3 and the dealers like oh those are like cars for service like loaners and like it just it did not work so we'll see if it works with Mazda. It takes dealer participation and teamwork, which doesn't always happen. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's a, it's a good idea on paper. Let's put it that way. But I think you're right. I think there's going to be. It, it honestly will depend on how many of these cars sell. I mean, if there's only you know a thousand of these things out there in two years, then I, I don't think a dealer will really care. But most dealers only stock a certain number of loaners. And Audi did something similar. I think when I bought my e-tron, I got a certain number of free rental days at Silver Car, which is owned by Audi. And so you rent silver Audis. Um, <laughs> and I got certain, yeah, I got, I think it was like a week free rental um, included. So I, I never actually used it. I probably still could. I probably have that code still. <laughs> and get a free went, rental in a Q5. Why not? And if you think about well, it, that is really smart because realistically, you're not going to road trip for more than 10 days a year, or at least most people. But yeah, yeah it's, it's really smart. Yeah, it's really smart if the dealers play a part, which, yeah, I, I could be really challenging, especially if they sell a super small number of cars. Yeah. Well, what I think will be a successful car or truck is the Ford Maverick. I don't know if we spent <laughs> much time on this in the podcast um, before, but now is a good time to talk about it because we're we're coming up uh this week are a lot of journalist events um there's a very few reviews officially out yet um there's probably some sort of embargo but um a lot of people including one of our own um are going to this event so we'll have more news on the actual you know driving dynamics and everything next week 
um, theoretically, depending on the embargo. But um, we can at least talk <laughs> it about it. It should be later this week. I can tell you yeah. that. I know when the embargo is. So it should be later this week that we can hear about it. We, we should. Um, but we should be able to talk about what we do know. And there's somewhat of a vested interest here because Austin is giving it serious thought. Uh, which Austin, oh, you man. should explain your thoughts because you until recently were pretty set on like a Bronco sport. Um, so why have you kind of shifted towards the Maverick? Well, the Bronco sport was more so for my wife and I'm still considering that, but, um, for after, family. yeah, after, <laughs> after taking some, uh, serious, like looking into the Bronco sport and then seeing the Maverick in the lineup and all the buzz that it's kind of generated in the car media, um, I just think it's a it's a really interesting vehicle. Um, really, the only things that are out right now that compete with it are the Ridgeline and the uh, Santa Cruz, and I think they all bring very different things to the table. The Ridgeline, I'd say, competes most closely with the Maverick as far as the type of vehicle they're trying to uh, portray it as, more of a lifestyle adventure vehicle, but on a budget and not quite as capable as like um i don't know like a, a bronco but uh yeah it's extremely cheap the big thing is it's twenty thousand dollars or under twenty thousand dollars for the xl for the base model um but after building one out i think jordan may have my build up on the screen here um <laughs> xlt so the videos actually shed some light on some things that i didn't realize i didn't realize that even the base model get the eight inch touchscreen with carplay yes very good of ford to include that yeah that was very impressive to me i was like wow because a lot of times ford prior if you didn't upgrade it you got a chintzy little screen that was basically useless um that your like radio came up on and your bluetooth or uh your uh phone connectivity came up on but the xl model does not include cruise control which nope. I found out too, <laughs> uh, which was extremely interesting. Um, I, I cannot live without cruise control, especially for how many road trips I want to take this vehicle on. Um, another thing that I thought was really cool was hearing some people drive it and hearing some of like the startup and how it actually sounds because the two liter EcoBoost is uh, a motor that I enjoy. I don't have that exact motor in my car, but I have one similar. And um, just, I don't know, an all wheel drive little mini truck with a turbo i, don't I was gonna say so it sounds like cool. you're gonna go two liter ecoboost which means you can tow the most yes you, you can tow, tow. that i think it's only five thousand pounds still with the tow package so nothing crazy um so however enough. it would be enough for something light but i would probably go the route of doing the uh, the rack system on the rear and putting like a, a, a rooftop tent up there um and it's not a big enough bed to fit a whole rooftop tent. So I'd probably have to like match <laughs> line up the roof rack with the bed rack and then put a tent on top of that. But I don't know. I just think it looks great. Um, I, the fuel economy is actually surprisingly really good. I think on the eco boost, it's 28 highway, 23 city, something like that. Um, I think it was close to 25 combined, which for an all wheel drive SUV or all wheel drive truck is pretty good. Um, not super far off from what i get in my little economy hatchback right now so uh, i don't know yeah I, I think it's a very interesting uh segment and i i like it a lot and i think it's really cool that ford is capitalizing on it because 
of the buyers it will attract. And I, I'm betting that their hope is to capture people that wouldn't typically buy a truck, especially because they're offering it with a hybrid drivetrain where it can get up to 40 miles per gallon in the city. Um, and they're probably going to sell people on the utility of having a truck. And then their next thing will be to sell them the F-150 is my guess. But I'd be interested to hear y'all's take on it and, and what your thoughts are on it. Yeah, it's so... I was just going to oh, say, it's amazing how much cheaper this is than F-150. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, for this Any price point to get the features you get, I mean, it's pretty incredible. Um, and I think Ford is actually going to sell quite a few of these because they got rid of the Echo Sport, which is probably their worst product they've made in a long time. Uh, and it was like the worst. It's hideous. It's the worst Ford product I've driven in a long time. Uh, a it's the worst one ago. I've looked at maybe ever. <laughs> And I think a lot of people who don't want an escape are going to buy this truck. I mean, there's really nothing else you can buy unless you want to go all the way up to the full-blown F-150. But I just think having the truck offers you a lot more utility um, than a standard SUV. It, it undercuts the Santa Cruz by a decent amount. And I think the styling of it is a lot less polarizing than the Santa Cruz. Um, I, I think it's, you could say, less offensive. I think the Santa Cruz does look really cool, but it definitely has a more um, has more of a presence. And I think this, the styling very much just fits the ethos of a Ford truck, um, which I, I don't think is a bad thing at all. Um, yeah, and I, I do think it's interesting because it does have a lot more use. And I built a Ford Bronco Sport, which is it shares the same platform with, um, with basically the same upgrades. And I actually came out to pretty much the exact same price. It was the Big Bend with um, a bunch of the um, like interior upgrades that you could get. And that's the same build that this one is. It's the XLT with all-wheel drive. And um, yeah, they both came out to like $32,000 pretty much fully loaded for that mid trim and it's pretty impressive pretty impressive what you get for the money yeah i i don't know i think it will sell well because everyone seems to be obsessed with trucks and suvs right now and a lot of people this who buy both. suvs yeah a lot of people <laughs> who buy suvs don't need all the third row or anything and some of them buy them because they can sometimes be found cheaper than a great truck like a, a well-specced, like premium-feeling SUV is cheaper than a premium-feeling F-150. Um, the Ranger does undercut that a bit. It is an interesting middle child with the advent of the Maverick. Um, but it is amazing how much more expensive the Ranger is than the Maverick, kind of spec for spec. Because, um, Austin, you built this out to be roughly 30000 which has, I would say, what most people would need. Um I did see a write-up that did compare the Santa Cruz and the Ridgeline and the Maverick. Um, Santa Cruz Turbo has a bit more power, but it otherwise, um, it's it's also. I mean, it's really comparable, but more expensive, and maybe a little less usable and worse gas mileage. So it kind of depends what you're looking for. I think the Santa Cruz looks really awesome, but some people hate how it looks. Like you said, it's polarizing. Mm -hmm. This looks like Ford truck. Yeah, it's a um, shrunken F-150. <laughs> yeah, it, which is awesome. Because um, I like the F-150. I like the Ranger. They're just a bit big. The Ranger used to be a small 
compact truck and then it got big just like everything else in the world and now ford has <laughs> brought a new thing in using a previous name that was not on a truck <laughs> and they're putting yeah. it as a small compact truck which is awesome and it's unibody and i i think it's brilliant and having that hybrid option like like you said it is you know hybrid front wheel drive with not much towing that's disappointing unless you don't tow um and like yeah, how a lot i think of that'll people, be more than enough for a lot of people yeah and how a lot of people use their trucks are like getting to work in a city like i also think hybrid about businesses Maverick is perfect i think it's going to be a very commonly chosen business vehicle because of how great fuel economy it gets and you still get that utility of having a bed in the back um where i could see a lot of uh, companies choosing this as a company vehicle because you see so many like nissan frontiers and toyota tacomas used um and they're not necessarily used for like heavy hauling but um yeah i don't know it, it, i think there's a lot of uh avenues for ford to, to open this up but jordan i think that's a really interesting point because i did have somebody ask me here recently like why would i get a ranger if the maverick is so cheap and I think the Ranger is probably going to be honestly the same crowd as a uh, Tacoma where mm -hmm. you want something that actually has a little bit more off-road capability and can tow a little bit more. I think the Ranger Max is at about 7,800 uh, pounds for yeah. tow capacity. But you do get the option for a true four-wheel drive system with locking rear differential, um, which is not something that you get in the uh, in the Maverick. So for serious off-roading mm -hmm. and a little bit heavier hauling if you don't want something the size that size of an f-150 which you said is like a boat those things are massive now um <laughs> i think that's it's a good option for that and it does undercut the tacoma by a little bit so yeah um it does only have four thousand pounds towing and what is it a four foot bed four and a half foot bed um four and a half yeah a smaller four. bed but it, you can but, make like yeah. these little uh like barriers that you can put in there to kind of like Volkswagen's cargo system for the bed, which is really interesting. Yeah, I think like the utility of the bed is pretty uh, awesome. Yeah. They have slots to build like little storage cubbies where you can slot in yeah. like two by fours and four by sixes. And then they also have a QR code you can scan in the rear, which will give you ideas <laughs> on how to build your own like bed, <laughs> which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, and they also have like built-in tie-downs. They have power in the rear. They have outlet in the rear. They have connections specifically for accessories like light bars or or what have you. So I, I don't know. It's very interesting to me because they're definitely – this to me falls in the same boat as the Bronco Sport to where they're trying to sell a outdoorsy vehicle and a lifestyle vehicle without being at the premium of a Bronco or like a forerunner, which I, I just think is really interesting. They're almost like trying to undercut that market for the forerunner and the Tacoma because so many people buy those vehicles for those purposes. Well, I think a great garage for you would be the Maverick, the Bronco sport and your Fiesta ST Ford family, <laughs> three different eco boosts. Yep. <laughs> I think it's perfect. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of eco boost. Yeah, it's let's, a lot of boost in the garage. Let's look at something <laughs> truly off-road capable. Um, the Hummer EV first drives are coming out, and our friend over at Inside EVs, Tom Malogny, has been able to drive it and be driven. It was interesting to see which things they would let you drive versus what they drove you in. Um, this is kind of ridiculous. I mean, this is... Tank. 
That is yeah. Talk about one of the biggest EVs of the year. I thought it was <laughs> the biggest EV of the year, but technically the e-transit is still supposed to come out. So uh, <laughs> we'll see if that does come out <laughs> yeah. by the end of 2021. Um, Cause I can't wait to see Kyle driving the e-transit. Um, but the Hummer EV, I mean, it's basically hailed as like a super truck. GM is super excited about it. And there's a lot riding on it because this whole bolt, like battery recall and everything like GM is not in a good light as far as the EV realm. Um, so hopefully this turns it around for them. Hopefully this has a successful launch. It won't be as popular as the bolt because the bolt is like a fraction of the cost. These are easily <laughs> six figures. Um, it's oh, literally yeah. a third of the price. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's pretty, it's cool. I, I think it's awesome. It's unique. Um, this is the like pickup truck variant. There's also a SUV variant. Uh, it is a huge vehicle though, 216 inches long, 86 inches wide, 81 inches high. Gosh. That is, and it weighs over 9,000 pounds. <laughs> you can definitely get weighted plates for that. Yeah, Exempt. that is, that is more than three and a half times the weight of my car. Um, <laughs> that's probably <laughs> double the length and almost double the width. <laughs> yeah. It's so wild. Um, it would not fit in my garage, so I did measure. <laughs> but yeah, it's supposed to. So the I guess EV three X will be coming in fall of twenty twenty two. So that'll be their hundred thousand dollar option, and the EV two X will be their ninety thousand dollar option, and then EV two will be eighty thousand dollars, which is still like two and a half years away before they so they're like they're like a lot of manufacturers they're starting with the premium models and working their way down the totem yeah. pole um yeah, essentially sense. getting to us plebs um <laughs> yeah at I, 79 grand starting yeah yeah because yeah, i could really do that they're yeah. giving me time to save up it's great uh, <laughs> but a thousand horsepower 1200 pound feet of torque that is zero to 60 in three seconds for a nine thousand pound vehicle it's insane I was about to say those power numbers aren't impressive with how much it weighs, but then when you <laughs> talk about the performance numbers, it actually is really impressive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it says 350 miles range, not EPA tested yet, um, and it's <laughs> over 200 kilowatt hours. So if you actually break it down, it's not that efficient, which is expected. Um, not surprising. 9,000 pound brick. And it <laughs> runs super high. Yeah. And so the one Tom was riding was the edition one, which is 113 grand more or less. Um, and it's, yeah, he got to do some off-roading stuff. Now this is interesting because Tom just went on the Rivian expedition out here in Colorado. So did some off-roading in the Rivian back to back with the Hummer. Um, he was shocked at how capable the Hummer was maybe not too shocked. Like it, <laughs> the, the standard wheels are 35s. Like that's insane. And they don't even look that big. Uh, you can no, fit don't. 37s on the factory Hummer EV, um, but it's it's got rock crawling capabilities, um, lots of like off-road terrain, tow haul, comparable driving modes to all the other trucks out nowadays. 18 camera ultra vision system. I love their naming scheme for all their stuff, which is cool. Tom noted the Rivian has really useful cameras looking at all four wheels for off-roading. Um, but the Hummer 
goes a step further and has cameras on the underside, like inner wheels. So you can like see both the outside and the inside of the wheels, what your hmm. approach and departure and breakover looks like in real time using cameras. And each camera has a little washer, which he said was actually very convenient. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I can imagine. That is great. I mean, oh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, it, it does things like um, crab walk, which was, you know, their big, you know, Rivian had the tank turn. That was their big stunt they pulled yeah. to get a lot of attention. Hummers was a crab walk. Neither of those are probably super useful, hardly ever, but it is another tool in your Batman belt of things you can use outdoors. Or if you just want to show someone the coolest I guarantee way to, that'll like, be the, used the next in, lane over. <laughs> so I guarantee that'll be used in driveways and city streets more than off road. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Same, same with extract mode. So this Hummer actually didn't have extract mode enabled, so they couldn't test it. But it'll raise it to almost 16 inches of ground clearance, which is more than the already really impressive Rivian. Um, and what's funny is I think more people are gonna use extract mode to show their neighbors how easily they can get in and out of their crazy driveways than they will off-road. But it's really cool that it can do that. Um, probably temporarily, probably to a really limited speed. I'm sure we'll test that once we do get a spec with um, uh, what do you call extract mode. But you know, similar to the Tycon where it has lift mode, which will give you temporarily, I don't remember how many inches of ground clearance, but it's up to like, under 20 miles an hour and then it lowers it back down that's insane so, that is I, extract mode makes me feel makes me think of like a helicopter that will just come pick it up when it's stuck <laughs> that doesn't make me think of like a suspension raising feature yeah um total tangent but uh looking at the audi q4 e-tron which we talked about before um with the audi what do you call it, Mike? The the service plan you can buy, it's like a thousand dollars for three years. It includes a yeah, certain it's like number of free paid maintenance. Oh yeah. yeah. It so includes if a certain your battery runs dry. Towing like toes per year for when you run your battery flat. <laughs> uh thought that was funny. But without yeah, penalty. independent front and rear suspension, front e locker, rear virtual locker. Yeah, what you can virtually <laughs> lock a diff? Well, I think it's called that because the rear there's two motors, one for each. Oh, rear wheel. that's okay. Yeah. So wow, this is a that's... three motor system. Um, hmm. pretty that's wild. cool, actually. I really dig that a virtual locker. That's interesting. I mean, I, I think will it's... say, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was gonna say, I will say, it seems very impressive. I won't lie. I was not really interested in this truck. I still kind of not. I just think it's like an excessive amount of everything. You just don't need something like this to drive around and go to the mall, which is what 80% of these things are going to do. Now you're going to see plenty of videos of them, you know, off-roading. I doubt you'll see them crabbing like that photo there uh, mm -hmm. on the beach, uh, maybe out in the Outer Banks. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> but I think truck's a little excessive. I don't know why you couldn't just spend your time making like a proper EV that more people can afford, even if it was a fifty or sixty thousand dollar truck to compete maybe more directly with your rival at Ford. And I know that truck is coming, but I just don't I think, understand the need to buy a EV this big. I guess Hummer, you know, the way it's always been about excess and showing off a little bit. 
I think Jordan, like you said, this is really interesting because Mike, I, I definitely have asked myself the same question of there, this had to take a lot of money and resources to put into production and, and could they not have used that elsewhere? But they also already have a few solid EVs in the market that granted are being affected by recall right now. But um, I do think it's a very <laughs> I didn't mention the bolt. Yeah, so <laughs> I think it is very interesting at the time that this is coming out because it's in a way GM is choosing a all electric super truck as their halo car right now outside of the C8 Corvette. This really is a halo car for the brand. They're, they're reviving this legendary name and they're making it with incredible specs. And a lot of people may go to the dealer to see one and then walk out with a bolt. I don't really see that happening too much, but like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just think it's, it's I mean, it's a it's a good point. Uh, they compare, they compare about an EV. They compare prices, and they're like, "Oh, the Bolt is the one in my budget. I'll buy that. Oh, I could uh, buy three Bolts for one of these." I mean, <laughs> my hope is that some of that cool technology that they're implementing in the Hummer down. trickles down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it has to have cost hundreds of, of millions of dollars, if not a billion of dollars yeah. worth of development for this thing. In, yeah, in a, a way, bolt. though, it could. Give me a bolt with watts. Give me a bolt with watts to freedom mode. Yeah. Yeah. Give me me a bolt with extraction mode. Um, No, I I do. Maybe in a way, this has been a guinea pig for them to really work out the kinks in a EV truck platform, though, because this has been in development for a while. Maybe they'll take this directly and throw it on the Chevy or the GMC electric whatever whenever that does come out maybe this has been a way for them to trial some of that because i do think that ford having stock and and rivian probably gave them some advantages when it came to developing the f-150 um so maybe this has kind of been that for gm i don't know um it's just a lot of really interesting things around like why they chose to make such an expensive such an obscure car that really won't put out the same sales numbers as like the f-150 lightning will it's just funny because like mike not being super excited about it i was the same boat because i just had the <laughs> stigma around hummer h2 and h3 owners like they <laughs> but what's funny is they like literally built this for them they're like oh i see you love spending buku bucks on your hummer and you never actually take it anywhere or like put it through its paces like here's another hummer for you like they like they like making them cool and gaudy and interesting and like it, it's it kind of works but it's funny because this is actually theoretically really capable probably more than most of the hummers you see on the road um but i i guess it kind of makes sense but it's just really like it's extra in so many ways i mean even the music they played during the launch the whole wtf mode watts to freedom um which you know, everyone like everyone's doing they're having fun with it, which I admire. Like the Bronco for Ford has the goat modes, which is like I I just I love it. Um, but it's it's excessive, which is fun. And this actually is a good way for them to, like you said, develop a lot of things that they know may not be extremely popular, that like people may not put this people aren't gonna buy these and put them through their paces hundred percent of the time. Um, in some ways, Ford is taking a bit of a risk electrifying the F-150 because there's probably going to be things they may have to work out kinks wise. And it's like they're going to have so many orders and so many in customers hands. Um, so maybe GM kind of learned through the bolt of like, well, <laughs> we had a lot of issues. 
but I think they've learned a lot from that. Uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see these on the road. They will have a heck of a presence. Maybe I'd love to see one next to a Cybertruck because like that would just be two giant vehicles that I don't know how much the Cybertruck will weigh, but probably not too much less than this if it's all like, like seven thousand pounds thick least. stainless steel like <laughs> yeah so i don't know it'll be it'll be interesting i just i love the idea of seeing a lot of these vehicles on the road um because they're so ridiculous but you know they're going to be on the road uh, sooner than later so we'll see um i do want to Speaking of Ford and GM, we have a quick follow-up to something we talked about in a previous podcast. That stupid uh, <laughs> lawsuit over Blue Cruise. They're finally coming towards... They're cruising towards a solution. Um, and I think they're just basically like settling. It was literally like two kids fighting over fruit snacks on the playground. And the teacher's like, sort it out. And then finally, both kids were like, fine. We'll just both enjoy our fruit snacks. Because the lawsuit was Blue Cruise being too similar to the word Super Cruise. And the only thing in common was Cruise, which literally every other car on the road, except for the base model Maverick, has cruise control. <laughs> so it's like, what? what is this? Like, I literally didn't think it was real. And I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe both companies had it in mind to do a lawsuit just for the publicity. And then they settled because they're like, hey, we got publicity. Yay. <laughs> I don't know. GM's gotten enough publicity with what's been going on lately. Probably could have used that money they used in court on those uh, battery recalls. Yeah. Well, it's funny because this is coming out now after the recall thing, where the the original news broke way before the recall. So. That's true. That's true. Maybe that's why they aren't going harder after Ford on it. <laughs> They're like, oh, never mind. We have our own problems. <laughs> never um, mind. You can use the Mike, word cruise, I guess. Mike, have you used um, Super Cruise or Blue Cruise at all? I've unfortunately never had the opportunity. I've at work. I have searched for Cadillacs that have had Super Cruise. I've never been able to find one at least that I could try and get access to to drive. Uh, yeah. Really want to experience it. And I really want to experience Ford's co-pilot 360 as well. Yeah. Um, I, I've done some of the co-pilot 360 stuff because uh, there's different levels of it, I guess. Um, yeah. I've done the second highest level in both a full-sized four-door F-150 as well as the Mustang Mach-E. And I was really impressed with it. Um, the one annoying thing with, forward with well i i'd love to see how each vehicle does its own like emergency warning system because the ford if if it <laughs> thinks you might hit a car in front of you i mean it's like tornado sirens in your car it's insane <laughs> and it's sometimes too finicky like i was in the mustang mach e and someone had you know basically gotten over to the turn lane to turn right slowed way down they weren't even in my lane maybe ever so slightly and i was on the far side of the other lane and the Mustang was like, oh, my gosh, we're going to hit him and threw up the big like red flashing warning symbol. And like the sound scared, like the sound was more threatening in my life than the actual potential of a crash. <laughs> it was that sounds horrifying. like early, early autopilot days. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of warnings. Auto, autopilot 2017. <laughs> <laughs> Well, me and uh, me and Kyle took the Model 3 to get pick up his van, um, which has been in a shop for over a month, and they didn't do anything to it. That's a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> <Just> <laughs> but camping I was 
I was commenting on the because Kyle has autopilot in his Model Three, not full self driving, just autopilot. But it has the full self driving preview. You know, the thing on the screen that shows other cars and cones and people around you. Um, and I was commenting on how funny that thing is because, like, in my garage when I had his Model Three in my garage, I have my winter wheels on the side wall for my Miata, and the Model Three saw those wheels and thought a semi truck was parked in the garage next to me. It just showed it on the screen. It was hilarious. And he's like, yeah, you should have seen the early days of the self-driving preview because it was it was hilarious. Wild. It was, yeah, like, was like, everything around. was glitchy. Yeah. yeah it was he said so there was like cars funny. spinning around. Yeah, they'd spin around. They'd like hit you. It looked like they were like hitting you. It was just the funniest <laughs> thing. We've come a long ways. Um, and I have, <laughs> yeah. I have one more story I want to throw in here. Um also, because it was a previous podcast topic slash obsession, the Lotus Emira, um, the V6 first edition has been announced for under a hundred grand, which makes me excited. And news just in: grand. Jordan just ordered one. <laughs> Put <laughs> his name on the list. If anyone wants to donate towards my start a GoFundMe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jordan's um, house has hit the market. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs a house? When Who you needs have yeah, all the equity in your house just goes no, right towards yeah. this car. Depreciating so, assets are the way to go. Yeah, I'm Always. beyond excited. So it has, as we know, the, the V6 source from Toyota, um, which actually is the, let's see, 2GR FE. So 3.5 liter V6 with an Edelbrock. Is that how you say it? Supercharger? Edelbrock. Four, yeah, Edelbrock. Yeah. 400 horsepower. Um, and yeah. That's really close to two Jay Z sounding. It's not, but it's really <laughs> close to it. Well, wasn't the uh, let's see the the Exige I cruised with has the two ZZ from your Celica sure GTS? That you had. Yep. If you had supercharged your Celica, you would have basically had a front. I engine considered it. I was <laughs> high school when I had it, but I thought that would have been the coolest thing. I would have been a little Lotus powered <laughs> Toyota. It's funny how the um, the six-speed manual gets 310 pound-feet of torque and the six-speed auto gives you 317 pound-feet of torque. Uh, <laughs> hmm. And the auto is quicker to 60 by a tenth yeah, of a second. Yeah, of course. That's expected. But the difference in torque is really funny unless they just have the red line set different. the gearing thing, maybe? Yeah. Like, it's peak gearing. But they don't say there's any difference in the horsepower. So... That's kind of funny. That's super strange. Um, and then six exterior colors, which I've already determined the dark verdant green is the most stunning. <laughs> so thing where does I've the first seen. edition fall in the like I guess levels of the Lotus, if there even are different trim levels? Because I'm sure we've looked at this, but I've looked at so many other car configurators since then. I cannot remember. <laughs> um, let's see. So I'm guessing this is just like the first edition of the V6, and I think they'll just continue the V6 after first edition, maybe minus a feature or two, minus a color, I don't know, probably comparable pricing. And then the four-cylinder, it says, will start in 2023 at 73.9. Oh, so, that's right. Okay, so they did have the, is it a turbo four-cylinder? Hmm, turbo, yeah. So you supercharge V6 or turbo four, the four-cylinder is sourced from AMG, which could be, I'm I'm really intrigued by that one. I know I'll want the six cylinder, but like the Supra, I'm intrigued by the smaller 
um, unsung hero. I mean, AMG four cylinders are pretty high strung. <laughs> I mean, they're yeah, quite, quite rowdy. Yeah, they have a lot of character to them. Well, um, my I, yeah, hope that's is... a good point, Jordan. Could be more balanced with the smaller motor because uh, I think that would be that supercharged V6 would be a lot of power for a car that small and light. So additional colors will arrive next year. Um, and there are many interior color choices. You can actually get anything from like saddle brown to black Alcantara. Um, and what I'm curious about is the engine aside, like will each engine have different features? Because the issue with the four-cylinder Supra, that was my favorite Supra because it felt like I was using more of it on a day-to-day -day basis. But when me and Kyle drove the Supras on track together, it was amazing how quickly the four-cylinder one had brake fade. It just couldn't It just couldn't do that for long periods of time. And it wasn't mm -hmm. even because of the engine. It was just the brakes were not upgraded. The rest of the car was not <laughs> equipped to handle yeah. that type so, of driving. That's interesting. Like, I, I, would, I would love the like six-cylinder Supra with the four-cylinder engine, if that makes sense. So just sense. get a four-cylinder <laughs> Supra and then swap GR parts on it, and then you're good. <laughs> Yeah, so this will be really interesting. Um, I can't wait to see these on the road. And what the thing, one of the things that pulls me towards Lotus so much is how little you see them. Like, I am so bored of seeing Lamborghinis. Like, it's just like, oh, another Aventador. But I see a Lotus uh, um, Evora from like 10 years ago, and I get so excited because they're so much more rare. Um, so I can't wait to see these things like actually in person because just like the supra when i saw the renderings online i was kind of disappointed actually like i love the ft1 concept the supra was based on mm -hmm. and then i saw the supra photos and i was like oh this is ugly oh, and seeing it in person changed my mind i was like oh this is actually pretty cool the amira i've never been this obsessed with a rendering and so i can't even imagine seeing it in person <laughs> well just wait till uh i would give it as soon as they're announced and come out, and I bet you you'll see one at your nearest Cars and Coffee that next week. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm excited. Um, but, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. We just hit an hour. Uh, that was a great show. Oh, wow. So thanks for uh, hanging with us and talking cars, hearing about <laughs> Kyle's various experiences. We'll have him on the show soon. <laughs> I promise. He's busy driving the Mercedes EQS right now, which Ooh. we're super excited and intrigued about. Yes. Um, and then he's going to Belgium to drive the Volvo C40. So that'll also be really interesting. Oh, they're bringing him all the way to Belgium. They're not doing it here. That's apparently interesting. yeah. That so, car. <laughs> I'm very excited for that car. I actually had yeah. one on pre-order once. <laughs> <laughs> and then I canceled my order, but I did have one on pre-order. We'll talk about Volvo and Polestar soon because that's a whole other interesting debacle. Not really debacle. It's just an interesting uh, dichotomy of brand, sub-brand sort of thing. The Polestar yep. 2 versus the C40. Uh, it's fascinating. But check out our stuff at Out of Spec. That is our main Twitter. Um, you should also check out It's Kyle Connor um, because he's posting a lot of wild stuff that he's up to. And we'll get him on the show soon to talk about a lot of it. Um, we have myself, Jordan underscore Schieffer. Mike is M underscore Breeling. And Austin is at Flywheel Films on Instagram. Um, hopefully, Instagram's not down like it was earlier this week. Uh, 
after a massive outage. Like Twitter today. got bombarded with visiting with people coming from everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Facebook and, and Instagram have been down, I think, all day. So Yeah, yeah. So, they just went live, I think, recently. It's a bad day to be an influencer, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Fun times. Uh, we'll see Twitter. you guys very soon in another show. Peace.